welcome to the Shenandoah Valley Life Podcast, where we introduce you to Shenandoah Valley residents who are living, working, and thriving in Virginia's iconic valley. Ready to make the Shenandoah Valley your home? Visit ShenandoahValleyLiving.com to start your Shenandoah Valley life. This is Jay Langston. I am the executive director of the Shenandoah Valley Partnership, and welcome to our Shenandoah Valley Life podcast. Today, we'll be interviewing Bruce Folks, who runs a maple syrup orchard and also sells maple candy, and then Chris Swecker, who runs a media company, but is also the executive director of the Highland Chamber of Commerce. I think you will enjoy what they have to say about what's going on in Highland County, Virginia. This podcast is brought to you by our friends from the Stanton Innovation Hub, a wonderful co-working space in the city of Stanton. Grow with us. At the Stanton Innovation Hub, a co-working facility designed to reduce barriers to innovation, open new opportunities, and cultivate community. Located in the beautiful Shenandoah Valley of Virginia, we're in close proximity to Interstates 81 and 64. We're surrounded by eight colleges and universities and have 30,000 square feet of co-working office and event space. Let us help you eliminate distractions in a safe, energetic environment. To learn more, visit stantonhub.com. Today on the Shenandoah Valley Life podcast, we are talking with Chris Swecker, who is the executive director of the Highland Chamber of Commerce uh, and media mogul. I'm going to embellish that a little bit, Chris. And Bruce Folks, who runs a maple orchard is sugar orchard i'm going to let you explain i'm going to not do it injustice but uh i'll I'll do it injustice if i continue so welcome uh guys i have been looking forward to talking with you you have really interesting backgrounds uh, and that brings you to highland Uh, you know highland talk about your backgrounds how have you gotten to where you are in working and living in Highland County. I'll take it away. Uh, Go ahead, Bruce. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I was actually born there and uh, have been there all my life for the most part. And I grew up on on the farm with my grandparents and uh, spent every minute that I could up there. And and my grandparents, they uh, raised cattle and sheep and... uh, my uncle, he had an interest in making maple syrup, but he lived in Waynesboro, so he was only there a few days a week. And and I remember back when I was about four, he started making uh, with kettles and uh, out in the sugar bush and, uh, and, you know, tapped the trees. We had buckets and stuff, and I just remember hanging out there, and he only made in kettles that one year, so I know this had to be when I was four that I remember him boiling out in the open like that. And... Uh, it just kind of got in my blood, and it's been there ever since. And uh, going through school, it's like, okay, I couldn't wait to get home in order to go up there to see what was going on and be part of it. And my grades usually dipped a little, so my parents <laughs> fussed at me. But but that that's, you know, and I certainly wouldn't do anything any different, and I still love it today and enjoy it. It's changed a lot, but 
but it's it's a it's a good life. Yeah, we'll come we'll come back to many of the things that you were just describing and talk about then and now okay. in regard to that, Chris. Yeah, I I also grew up in Highland County. Uh, went to school K through twelve there, and uh, ended up going to James Madison University. Obviously, great school uh, here in the Shenandoah Valley, and studied media arts and design. So I'm a smatty, <laughs> and uh, uh, ended up working a little bit in Harrisonburg. Actually, um, it's always been in media, particularly, um, and I, I lived in Stanton here. Uh, it, it's interesting. I worked at WHSV and their Augusta newsroom, which is I think through the wall here of where we're yes. recording, just on the other side. So, um, and I actually moved um, after doing some work here. I was fortunate enough to start my own uh, media company, just small uh, uh, video business, and then moved out to Seattle, Washington, about as far away as you could go from Virginia. Yes, I was uh, going to ask you yeah, about that, and um, ended up. Uh, out there working on Microsoft's campus doing corporate training videos. And um, then it was an opportunity to come back to Highland County and did so with my wife. And um, uh, I worked at Allegheny Mountain Radio, which is our local community radio. And I was hired on at the Chamber of Commerce as a marketing coordinator. And about two weeks in, the executive director had to leave <laughs> that was there um, due to some family issues. And uh got maybe the quickest promotion in history and ended up becoming the executive director. So here we go. It's been quite the journey. You are an ambassador for the Shenandoah Valley and, and, and are on our website, the ShenandoahValleyLiving.com. But your story, I've been fortunate to be in the Northwest U.S. The Seattle area is an extraordinarily beautiful area. Definitely. What brought you back? You know, and Highland is a beautiful area too. And there's a lot of going, a lot of things going on in our region, but there's an awful lot going on in the Seattle area <laughs> uh, as well. You know, from a really large metropolitan area with the, with the mountains surrounding you to what is relatively a remote area in Virginia and uh, the least populous county in, in Virginia. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, um, I know it's quite the contrast. Uh, I mean, Highland County, everyone that I think lives there, you know, they want to live there. It's, um, it's a, it is unique. I mean, there's a lot of rural places, but there's just something special about Highland. I, I don't know how to, it's something that you really can't explain, so I won't even try to say it. But I mean, as you say, Bruce here and I, I mean, you know, you grow up there, and, and it's not even if you grow up there, because so many people come and just fall in love with it. It Sometimes it's like taking a step back in time, but it's, we talk about the quality of life, and I think that's it. I mean, it. I would say it's slower paced, even though if you're there, you're busy all the time, but it, the feeling of it, um, there there is room to breathe. There's, I mean, again, your commute, I would say this, um, from a, a, if anyone from a, a larger city, I mean, again, me being in Seattle, uh, the commute itself is worth living in Highland. Um, you know, there is no traffic. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, you can get your ride. You're looking at wildlife and just the unspoiled mountain views that we have. I mean, this fresh air, people are friendly. You know everyone, uh, which is great. Um, but it's just fulfilling. I mean, uh, my family's lived there for generations, and that has a big part to do with it for me. But... Um, there's room there to really carve out your space. Uh, I think 
particularly with remote work now, we do have really good broadband in Highland and yes. um, uh, for a rural community, uh, which is great. Um, we have great uh, child care, a great school system, and there's opportunities there, particularly for entrepreneurs, to carve out a space with little competition, if any, and kind of reset these economies. A lot of people... I think we're shifting to go into more urban areas and now it's sort of a shift back and you know that's sort of a, a new frontier in these rural communities and a lot of a lot of opportunities there it is a great segue that you gave me i'm going to circle back to something you say but i want to ask bruce a, a similar question you've talked about the quality of life aspect which is for the younger generation really is important. They are making decisions about where they want to live and uh, I think have a better idea of the work-life balance. Uh, but Bruce, I suspect that you spend a lot of time uh, with your work, but I'm sure that's sort of out of the love of what you have there in Highland as you were uh, intimating uh, a short while ago. What do you tell people? You've made the decision. You grew up there. You're living there. Tell us about your operation, what keeps you there, and how the entrepreneurship experience in Highland is so active, whether it's, it's, it's necessary or is that just part of the culture that it's, that's there? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I started off very young, and it just kind of got in my blood. I, I did work in law enforcement, and I did retire out of that after 31 years. So I did the maple part on the side, and I kept couldn't wait for the day. It's like, okay, I can't wait until the day that I don't have to try to do this around, you know, around work and that I can spend the entire day in the sugar bush if I want to. I can get things, you know, more organized. I can get the, uh, I can get the sap flowing the way I want it to flow. I can tap more trees. I can, uh, you know, make more syrup. I can do more markets or festivals. And uh, so, on the very first day that I could retire out of law enforcement, it's like, oh, okay, I'll see you all later. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going to Highland. I under, I can yeah. appreciate that. <laughs> to uh, reiterate on what Chris said, it's like, okay, I was in Harrisonburg. There was Starting off, I had maybe seven stoplights from where I was living in McGackiesville to uh, the sheriff's office. When I retired, there was like 37. And it's like, okay, I want to get back to Highland. There's no traffic lights. There's no traffic. I'll see more deer than I see vehicles. If I go yes. up on the farm, I don't have to see anybody <laughs> and may not see anybody. So uh, it's just a way of life, and uh, I love it. And for all of you who live in major metropolitan areas, please don't hate us when we say 37 traffic lights or something <laughs> like that. It is. I have become so acclimated so quickly I complain about three. Uh, let's talk about your operation. Um, the maple syrup industry is something I know very little about. I, I have to give a plug to an NPR story. It was an April Fool's story a number of years ago about exploding maple trees if you didn't harvest them at the right time. <laughs> One of the funniest stories I have ever heard. I don't think it really fits what you do, though. And talk about what you used to do. You've mentioned it earlier as four-year-old you can remember and what you have done now 
in terms of your operation there. I, I, I'm amazed at the technology involved there and also the sustainability issue. You alluded to that as well. Yeah, like I said, you know, I remember back uh, when I was four, we had my uncle would uh, put in some posts and a pole and hung some kettles from it. And uh, right. he said, yeah, he said, I burnt so much wood back then because you just had the fire. It was outside. And uh, so we started off that way. And then in a few years, uh, another maple uh, operation talked him into getting an evaporator. So he purchased an evaporator and it's like, OK, this is wonderful. And converted the old chicken house on the farm into the sugar house. And then we started, uh, he still had buckets for a year or two. You dumped into a tub and it flowed down to uh, to the sugar house. And uh, then they talked him into, it's like, okay, they're making this tubing. You can now, you know, do a network of tubing. It was laid on the ground. You put it out every year and, uh, and then took it in and cleaned it. So we started with that just on one area. And then it's like, then in a few years, it's like, okay, let's get to tubing on all of it. So we don't have to gather the buckets. We don't have to fall when we're carrying the buckets. We don't get rainwater in them and have to dump it out. So it kind of progressed like that. Then in a few years, it's like with the uh, expensive oil going up and different things and the amount of time you were spending, it's like, okay, they now have reverse osmosis. We can take out a lot of the water. All right, can, say that again. You have what? We have reverse osmosis, osmosis. <laughs> and we can get rid of a lot of the water. So instead of keeping the pure water from this, we're going to keep the sugar molecules that won't diffuse across that membrane, and uh, then we'll, and we'll throw away the pure water. Uh, that cut out about it gets rid of about eighty percent of it because uh, to make maple syrup, it takes about forty to forty-five gallons of the maple sap which flows out wow. of the trees to make one gallon of syrup. So <coughs> so that was, uh, that was the next step. And then after that, it's like, okay, with the reverse osmosis, now we can tap more trees because we have more time. We have more fuel. And uh, from that, then the, uh, the tubing and the collection process, they uh, started with a, uh, a vacuum pump. So with the vacuum pump, we can hook that to the system, and we create the barometric pressure, basically, to where it's lower, to where the sap's going to flow better, even if we don't have ideal conditions. Uh, before, if it rained or the wind blew, natural, normally the, you know, the sap just wouldn't flow. Or if you had temperatures where it was just a couple degrees above freezing, you know, it just wouldn't get things going. Well, with the vacuum pump... It's just like being a perfect day. You have a great flow on those days. So our flow of sap and production more than, I would say, quadrupled just from going to that vacuum pump. And where we were making on the average of 300 gallon of syrup, the first year with the vacuum pump, it was 1,300 gallon. Oh, my gosh. So it was, wow. a, it was a huge difference. <laughs> and had we not already had the reverse osmosis, yeah, we, we wouldn't have made it through that year. Uh, and then from there, it progressed to where, uh, okay, let's get a more efficient evaporator. We used to have a wood and an oil. Uh, and without reverse osmosis back then, it took about four to five gallon of oil to make one gallon of syrup. So wow. now with the reverse osmosis and the newer, more efficient evaporator, 
uh, we averaged less than half a gallon of oil to one gallon. Of oh, my gosh. Now. Wow. What an yeah. increase in efficiencies. Yeah, we can bring out 21 gallon of, of maple syrup an hour from this evaporator. I did good to get five gallon an hour out of two evaporators before and burnt five, six times the amount of fuel. So that part has really changed uh, a little more in the process. Once it comes out of the evaporator, we now have a filter press, which filters it. Uh, it basically forces it through a series of filters and uh, does it much more efficiently than the older uh, type where you just relied on it to flow through these filters. Uh, it goes into a bottler, which is water jacketed. It's going to keep the syrup at the exact temperature that we need. So it's no like, okay, I've got to get this bottled quick. It's going to cool off. Uh, I've got to put it in something bigger so I can get it out of my tank this way. It's water jacketed. It's totally enclosed. It'll stay that temperature for however long it takes me to bottle and cap. So it, it's changed a lot, and uh, you can we can do a whole lot more. Uh, I have one or two other guys that help me some, uh, but for the most part, do most of it myself. The biggest challenge now is once we get tapped and with a vacuum pump is we've got to get all the leaks sealed up. And we have a we tap about 1,600 trees. We have about 20 miles of tubing. Uh, <laughs> it takes me about seven or eight days to really get it sealed up because if there is one pinhole, pinhole. anywhere in the system, I know it. And if our vacuum drops from, say, 25 inches of vacuum, if we can get from 20 inches up to the 25, which is basically with no leaks at all, uh, right. the amount of sap is going to double. Wow. So you want to get it to where it's totally sealed up. So that that's the biggest challenge now. I don't know if anyone of our in our audience is familiar with harvesting the the sap from the trees, but I'm amazed at the technology now involved in what was traditionally you had buckets on yes. every one of those trees, yeah. and now how efficient a system and a better system for the tree oh, is, yeah. is right. Yeah, with this change, uh, comparing it to the days of the buckets, uh, we, we would tap a tree, and it may have like eight taps, and they were larger, and now with the vacuum system, that same tree will only have three and the, uh, the hole of, that you tap is like a third of the size. So these trees are going to close that hole from their new growth in one year. It used to take three to five years. So we get more sap, and we use less than a third of the taps that we would have used back then. So it's, it's actually much healthier for the tree. Wow. That, that's, that's a great story. Chris, you as the executive of the Chamber of Commerce— uh, are part of the engine that tries to share the stories and brings more commerce to Highland County. And Bruce's story has to resonate in many ways because it is part of the tourism aspect of the maple syrup industry, I'll call it that, in Highland County. But how do you message this? How do you help the existing businesses, and what do you weave into your outreach for tourism and 
and and and both of you can talk about the uh, the Maple Festival and so forth. So I'll let you take it away. No, absolutely. I mean, you're right. Uh, Highlands claim to fame is our maple industry. Uh, again, it, it's it's so interesting to listen to Bruce. That whole process. I mean, essentially, it's it's taking the sugar water or sap. And you just need to boil it down or remove the water to make syrup. And that sounds so simple. And, you know, you just heard <laughs> how long and labor-intensive it is. But um, all our sugar producers, I mean, Bruce, they've got it down. And they, they're they always innovative. And it's exciting. I mean, and, and I think that excitement obviously translates because, you know, again, because we are known for that, um, that's what we want to tell people about and get them excited about it. So we obviously, since 1959, we've had a Maple Festival um, every year. Yeah, um, tell everybody all about this and the and the yeah. trail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, obviously, uh, the syrup making process—it's late winter, uh, early spring, um, and it's it's just a short window. And then Bruce can speak to that if I say anything wrong. But you know, like a six-week period, essentially, it's dictated by the weather. Um, and in March, the second and third weekends every year, we have a maple festival that brings the whole community together to obviously celebrate this. You can go visit our uh, local sugar camps. There, um, uh, there's 11 in the, the uh, county and um, normally nine in 2020. It was set to have nine where you could go tour actually on, uh, on their farms and, and check out the sugar camps and their different processes. Uh, again, each one has something unique, even though it's the same process. There's more modern equipment, old-fashioned. Some still do it the old way or, or more traditionally the old ways. Um, and you get to see all the different techniques. So it's a lot of fun. We have arts and crafts vendors. There's our local Ruiton clubs do pancake uh, dinners. And, of course, everyone knows our maple donuts uh, that everyone wants to have. Um, you know, unfortunately, the Including last— Including me. Yes, yes. yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, the last two years, um, the pandemic, pandemic obviously uh, closed that down. So we've really been missing that. But 2022, um, I think with the situation we're in, uh, we are definitely looking forward to bringing that back and having everyone back to visit us. Um, but uh, one thing that we had, thankfully, in place that was set to launch in 2020 and we were able to launch was a Virginia Maple Syrup Trail. So eight of the local sugar camps participate in that, including Bruce. And um, you can actually, uh, it, it's similar to uh, like a craft brewery passport program where you, uh, it's sort of modeled off that, where we have a, a passport you can pick up and you go to the eight different sugar camps, call ahead, they are working farms, uh, but you call, schedule a tour, uh, they'll show you all about what they have to offer, even other things that are going on, depending on the year, time of the year. Uh, give you a taste of the syrup. You get your passport stamped. You visit all eight. You get a shirt and a bumper sticker and bragging rights. And um, you can do this year-round outside of basically the two weeks and weekends because it's so busy during March um, of, of the Maple Festival. And that helps expand that out and, again, gives more economic opportunity for the sugar camps, more people, if they're, you know, coming to stay in Highland, this is something else they can do. Um, and uh, we've launched it. It's been almost a year now and, uh, you know, still getting word going? of mouth. I yeah. think it's going great. I mean, we've given out a lot of passports uh, and, um, you know, it's uh, I think it's just got room to grow and we'll keep on moving ahead with it. Um, but uh, again, uh, you it's trying to 
as we're learning, you know, uh, <laughs> trying to spread out the um, the economic opportunities uh, rather than just the the two weekends, uh, even though those are great, and we're going to continue and plan that, to have right. those come back for sure. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, you can learn all about Maple, and I think even with again the innovation that we talk about, I mean. Just the the experience with your family, again, these are all working farms, and everyone there has a different story to tell from people that have been doing it for generations to some new newer um, uh, entrepreneurs that are there. Uh, uh, and to see, for instance, we have the first USDA-certified organic maple syrup producer in Virginia. That's on the tour. We have someone that's the uh, one of the sugar camps is the first um, producer of black walnut syrup in Virginia, and the only one right now. So there's a lot of innovation, not just of syrup, but I mean, that's the core, and that's what we want to uh, focus on. But um, it, it really is an exciting time in the maple industry. You've actually um, opened up an avenue I wanted to ask you about, Chris, is, and you were alluding to it earlier, about you are an entrepreneur also. Um, you've come back to Highland. Talk about what it's like to work and live in a place that's so beautiful and still be able to do your media work mm -hmm. there because you were, you were alluding to some of the business aspects there, and I know this is part of what you – your job with the chamber, sure. but talk about the opportunities there that have arisen. You mentioned the broadband and and what people might not know about how this could be you know, a, an opportunity. Well, uh, again, uh, with the focus on remote working, again, uh, the, the fact that I'll say this, you, you're in other areas, for instance, your month, monthly rent for a small apartment um could pay for your monthly mortgage for a whole house and an acre of land or several acres of land in Highland County. And that alone, I mean, just the, the ways that you can save costs uh, by living in Highland. And if you're able to do remote work and not just remote work, cause there's, you know, there's storefronts open and, and, and the connections you can make in a small community you can come out ahead, I feel like, uh, you know, mm -hmm. depending on what it is. Um, and really, again, uh, small farming opportunities, uh, operations like that. And, and you do have support. I mean, we obviously want to support. And you, you, you really have the, the interaction with more people face-to-face -face that you can find that support where you're not kind of lost in the sea of, of so much going on. So, um, you know, if, if you've... If you've got the, I, I, that's so cliche. I don't know. If, <laughs> you know, you've got the will. There's a way. But I, I think, again, to be able to carve out your kind of niche in this sort of rural economy, and if you can do that, particularly even remotely, right there, you know, there's just there are opportunities there. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely yeah. get what you're saying, and I, uh, I may not be able to make it more concise, but. Mm -hmm. It can you as an individual sure. in Highland can really make a difference. 
Yes. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's part of, I think, what you were getting at, yeah. you know, that entrepreneurship side of things really has an impact upon the economy there. Absolutely. Yeah. One, I mean, one person coming in and starting a business makes a major difference. And honestly, it does. I mean, and, you know, if it's a family, anyone coming in because, you know, we're talking 2,000 people roughly for our whole county. So, we welcome anyone and you'll be welcome come to, to come yes. and, and, you know, start in those smaller, you know, small business. I mean, that's, you know, really what we're, we're trying to get. I mean, small, medium sized business to, to keep that, uh, to keep our economy moving and, and bring it up. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have no data to back this up, but I suspect <laughs> that Highland County probably has the highest percentage of entrepreneurs than any other locality that I know of in Virginia. Part of that is a necessity. Part of it is the love for the region and the mm -hmm. willingness to do that. And both of you, uh, you know, certainly exhibit that with your love of the county and the area and so forth. And with that question, Bruce, you have a multi-generational farm. What's your vision? What's your hope for moving forward with this? You know, how... You know, what What do you see? Well, as for me personally, it's kind of up in the air because I actually have two daughters. Uh, the oldest daughter is in Florida working for Miami-Dade's medical examiner office. So I don't see her coming back or, you know, wanting to go this route because she really enjoys what she's doing. And uh, my younger daughter is at uh, an upcoming junior at Virginia Tech. She's an EMT. She loves neuroscience and uh, working on a dual degree with three majors and two minors. So I'm not sure. Depends on if she meets somebody that, that wants so, to be on the farm. I'm, I'm so sorry that she's such an underachiever. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not real sure where that's going to go, but things usually have a way of working out. And yeah. uh, we'll just have to kind of, you know, see where that goes. So... Last question. This is one we ask for from everyone. What is your perfect day in the valley? And you can make that Highland County. I, any way that you want to describe it. Uh, Bruce, okay. I'll go to you first. My perfect day there is when I can get all of my chores and work done that I feel like I have to do. <coughs> Sorry. Which, working for yourself, it's just... Uh, what you you know what you think you have to get done when I can get done all, all of that and then go up on the farm and uh, spend you know maybe even just an hour or two last evening was just an hour but it was still nice uh, to go up sit out on the porch look at the view have a beer uh, watch the uh, watch the deer come out uh, an occasional bear uh, you'll see you know, we have butterfly bushes planted all in the front with lots of butterflies and hummingbirds and stuff. And just sit there and listen, and you don't hear any traffic. You don't hear any man-made noises usually. It's all, you know, just nature. And uh, watch the sunset, which I used to do with my grandparents. Every evening after supper, you went out on the front porch. And that's kind of in my blood, too, I guess, just like, you know, making the syrup is. I have a perfect picture in my mind based upon what you just said, Bruce. Yeah. Chris? Well, uh, yeah, I'm like, if, if you go up to Bruce's sugar camp, I encourage you. Yeah, the view from up there, especially in the evenings, he's got it nailed down. It is so beautiful. And 
It's funny. I'm like, uh, I'm Bruce's neighbor. I mean, uh, we, we, I can see his house from mine and, uh, he's allowed us to go hike up on his property and, and look at that view. Um, so, uh, you know, I might have to change what I was going to say. <laughs> but no, uh, I mean, I would say a perfect day. I honestly would wake up. Uh, one of my favorite things is to have a pancake breakfast and make it at our house and have some Highland County maple syrup on it. Um, I really do enjoy that. And then, um, you know, probably go out for a hike somewhere in the day um, with the family and come back and have either a potluck or, you know, have some some uh, eat at a restaurant. A potluck's pretty nice. Get together with some friends and just hang out for the day. I think that would that would sum up a really nice, uh, nice day. Both of you have just described part of the culture that people just – have embedded or <laughs> born with or adopt yeah. uh, once they come here because I it's just uh, an idyllic scene, but it's so true. <laughs> uh, I, I woke up this morning to deer and turkeys in our yard out uh, overlooking a valley, so I'm right with you. Anything else that you would like to uh, impart to our audience before we wrap it up? I don't know if you wanted to talk more about Maple Festival or not. I, I, I please feel take free all that to. Or, you yeah. know, just how just long a, you've been doing yeah, it. Yeah. Just a little bit on that. Uh, my uncle started with the Maple Festival just a couple years after, I guess, after it started. And uh, we just we set up then in Monterey just because of our uh, Maple Camp is about a mile up off of the road and hard to access sometimes, especially that time of year. And... Uh, but to do that, we furnished the syrup for like the Ruritan Club in Bluegrass and the school in Monterey and uh, setting up there in front of the Highland Inn uh, in Monterey. And that's about, we probably sell about 80% of what we make just in those two weekends because wow. of all that. And wow. then uh, the other outlet is I do uh, farmer's markets. I do the one in Highland on Fridays, uh, Friday evenings from 3.30 to 6, and I do one in Harrisonburg on Tuesday mornings and Saturday mornings in downtown Harrisonburg. Bruce, plug your products and give the website because I I'm sure that people would be very interested in your maple fudge. Yeah. The website is brucesserpentcandies.com. It has some pictures uh, from up on the farm. It shows a little bit of our process, uh, the products. We, of course, do the syrup. Uh, we do all, all different kinds of fudge. We do uh, the maple sugar candy. We do hard candy. We do maple-covered nuts. Uh, and at the markets, probably have in the neighborhood of at least 70 to 80 different things that, that we offer. So it is in a pretty extensive line. And, uh, of course, with COVID and everything, we did a lot of mail order this last time. I bet. usually encourage people just to call because I like to talk to them. I like to tell them a little bit about the product and like to work out the best shipping for their needs rather than just click a button and, you know, and then I see an order and it goes out. I'd rather meet the people and, uh, Personal and touch. talk to them. Yeah. 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 Well, I just got hungry when I was, <laughs> you know, listening to it. Chris? Yeah. Any parting words? Yeah. Um, and definitely go visit Bruce on the Virginia Maple Syrup Trail. Uh, you, if you want to learn more about that um, uh, passport program, you can visit virginiamaplesyrup.com. If you want to learn more about Highland County, uh, Chamber's website, it's highlandcounty.org. Uh, uh, give us a call, 468, sorry, 
Uh, we're happy to talk with you, whether you're coming to visit, if you are an interested business, um, we're happy to chat with you and, you know, let you know the lay of the land and try to make those connections and, and get you, get you back in Highland. Um, uh, yeah, again, at highlandcounty.org. Um, we do have an upcoming fall festival. Uh, it's called Hands and Harvest Festival. That's October 8th through the 10th. And, um, that's, that'll be our next, uh, big event. And of course, Maple Festival is March 12th through the 13th and 19th through 20th, those two weekends, second and third weekends in March of 2022. Um, yeah. <laughs> Wealth of information. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to both of you, Chris, Bruce. Really appreciate you sharing your stories this morning and being a part of the Shenandoah Valley, sharing the culture and giving back to the community. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. This podcast has been brought to you by the Shenandoah Valley Partnership. Thanks for listening.